Come on, Ready A Church, will you make some noise for what God is doing in the house through this series, Zombie Fighter. Listen, let me tell you guys something. This has been an absolute uh, incredible start to this series. It's been life-changing. Can I tell you that three people made a decision to follow Jesus with absolutely everything last week? Man, God is doing amazing things. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors right here at Ready A Church. And man, I am so excited to be joining you guys today. Pastor Brandon would normally be on the stage right now, but he is in Pamplico, South Carolina. He is hanging out uh, at a church speaking on behalf of another pastor for pastor's appreciation. But hey, listen, really quick, while we're talking about uh, staff members and team members right here at Ready A Church, I want to honor our worship pastor, Pastor Chris Kelly. He got engaged last night, y'all, to his... Beautiful girlfriend, now fiance, Hope. Man, I'm so excited. Guess what? If you need somebody to marry you, we know a guy, okay? <laughs> but no, my name is Travis. I'm really excited to get to speak during this series, Zombie Fighter. I absolutely love this time of year. Are you guys big Halloween and October fans? Where are my, where are my October people at? They're in here. It's a great time of year. I think it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and I hate the devil gets so much credit for Halloween. I think it's one of the coolest holidays ever, right? And there's a lot of cool things to celebrate during Halloween. We have like Halloween candy. And so I don't know if you're anything like me, but I eat Halloween candy. Like don't tell people at the gym this. I eat Halloween candy all month long. And the crazy thing is I go to the grocery store and let me tell you my logic of what I do when I buy Halloween candy, right? I see a bag there and it's got all these different kind of Halloween candy in it. And here's what I think. You know what? I might want to pass this out to trick-or-treaters. I better get some and try it out. Oh, I'm in my mid-30s. I know what a Kit Kat tastes like. There's no reason for me to buy candy all month long. But they glow in the dark, so we might need to try them out, right? I think another great part of Halloween is all the events and all the parties, right? And you get to dress up for those things, and I'm really excited. We actually went and picked out a pumpkin yesterday, me and my wife and my daughter, and she tried on her... Uh, costume, so our little daughter Hannah, right now is going to be Elmo, and kids are so cute, I know, give it up for Elmo, no, listen, kids are so cute whenever they get to dress up for Halloween, but let's be honest, y'all, as adults, we might take it mm, a little too far with the dressing up sometime, and you're probably thinking, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Um, maybe the best word I could use for how we probably dress up is maybe risque sometime, right? So, hey, Susie, what are you going to be for Halloween? I'm a nurse. Oh, really? I've been to the doctor, and I've never seen a nurse dress like that before. That's very interesting. We should probably get you a lab coat, but uh, cover up a little bit. Oh, I hope that joke went over well, and it did. Good. <laughs> no, but I tell you what, I think what makes Halloween so special is probably all the scary movies, right? You guys scary movie fans in here? I, listen, let me tell you something. I got stuff to do the next day. I got to sleep. I cannot be watching scary movies. Even when the commercials come on, I'm literally like, oh, let me, let me check my phone for something real quick. I don't want to see what the nun or the conjuring's up to right now, right? I, don't, I can't stand scary movies. And some of you probably like the Zombie Fighter series because guess what? You probably like zombie movies, don't you? Like Zombieland 2 coming out. We've got classics like 28 Days Later, shows like The Walking Dead, right? Zombies in a weird way, whether you like horror movies or not, the word zombies kind of a part of our culture in a weird way. So if you watch horror movies or not, I could literally say, hey, somebody's acting like a zombie. And your first thought is, well, that means they're probably acting dead. They're acting lifeless. They're kind of acting like a drone. 
They're just kind of going through the motions. And the crazy thing is, you're not wrong about that. And in fact, there's actually a place in the Bible that kind of reads very similar. And I want to show it to you right off the bat. And it's in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 really quick. And I kind of want to show you where that idea pops up in our Bibles. It says, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we formerly lived in lusts of our flesh, indulging in desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ, and it's by grace that we've been saved, right? So kind of an idea of maybe how Paul in Ephesians is talking about zombies. But guess what? I know that if you're anything like me, there's probably a lot of visual learners in the room today. So you kind of better explain and unpack this really quick. I brought a real live zombie with me who's about to join me on stage. Zombie Aaron, make your way to the stage for me. Y'all, oh, man. Look at him. <laughs> Dude, you look so cool and creepy right now. <laughs> Y'all, welcome Zombie Aaron to the stage with me. <laughs> He's been eating brains all morning. He's good to go. But there's a lot to unpack in this verse, and I want to show you what it means to be a zombie today. Just like my friend Aaron here, the idea of being a zombie is being very lifeless and drone-like. And that's literally what Paul is telling us in the book of Ephesians, right? He says that maybe not on the outside, but in the inside, we can actually be spiritually dead. Not even just spiritually dead. But we can be caught up in what Pastor Brandon was talking about last week about evil powers that actually exist in the world. And what Paul's saying is that whenever we have a life away from Jesus, in fact, we're actually living in such a way that we're literally living our entire life like we're racing to a red light. That's a very scary thing to think about, right? But the good thing is there's a little hope in this verse, Aaron. I want to read it back to you really quick. It says, but God being rich in his mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Christ. And what I want you to hear in that is the fact that there's a time in our lives where you and I are a lot like this, right? To where inside we're kind of operating on what we think is right and wrong to do. We're kind of going through the motions and there's really nothing inside any life force that's driving us, right? We're not loving people to life. We're actually not being zombie fighters, Right. But the good news is, is that Jesus came to change all that. And Paul says actually a little bit earlier in that same letter of Ephesians, he said that you're actually almost turned into a new human. He said you represent a new humanity. So here's the thing. What Paul's saying is whenever I have a relationship with Jesus, my identity is not this anymore. I'm no longer not just dead in the inside and dead in the outside, but I'm something completely, completely different. Because see, it says I'm alive together now with Christ, right? So Jesus died to rescue and redeem everything that's lost. And here's the cool thing is that my story, right? Think about your story, right? My story is not that good sometime. But now my story is going to be forever a part of Jesus' story in his mind. And now I'm absolutely a new person. And I'm not the person I see that pops up in my memories on Facebook that I might have been seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. That's an absolutely new person. My identity has changed forever. But here's the thing, whenever Jesus changes something inside of us, it starts to change the outside of us, and we don't look like this going through life. We look more handsome like this going through. 
That wasn't a joke. Y'all weren't supposed to laugh at that. (laughs) But we look different. Paul says that we eat, even in a world full of walkers, that you and I will actually even walk different. He says later in Ephesians, and we're going to look at this today, that a zombie fighter is a lot different than a zombie because a zombie fighter is going to walk in love, they're going to walk in the light, and they're going to walk in wisdom. Would you guys give it up for zombie Aaron? Go eat some brains, man. We got the 1130 coming up. (laughs) He does such a good job, and I'm going to have nightmares tonight, right? (laughs) But zombies, zombie fighters look completely different, right? Paul says we're going to walk and we're going to treat the world around us absolutely, completely different. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is the fact that a zombie fighter, somebody who's actually loving people to life, is going to walk in love, right? And this kind of a dense passage I'm going to show you, but we're going to break it down, and your friendly neighborhood pastor is going to help you out with it today. But before we get into it, I think it's fair to say that you and I, probably when we hear the word love, we initially think of that feeling, right, that emotion that you love somebody. Well, that's not wrong, but the way that our authors in the Bible and the New Testament talk about love is it's not this just one-time emotion, but it's a continual way that I treat somebody and I care about their well-being and really that I care about them not even for what they reciprocate back to me, right? So I could buy my wife flowers one time or even one time a year on Valentine's Day and well, yeah, that would be me loving her, but buying her flowers all the time is a life of loving. Does that make sense? So when I read this, I want you to hear that love is a little bit different maybe than we think about it at first. But I'm actually going to read the end of chapter 4, verse 4, 29, 31, and then I'm going to jump into the beginning of chapter 5, and we're going to talk about walking in love. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that will give grace to those who hear. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Here's our little phrase, right? And walk in love just as Christ also loved you, gave himself up for us, offered a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, but immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as proper of saints, right? Well, that's a lot to say this. Paul's writing in the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, kind of like a sandwich. And he says that, hey, this is a way that zombies act in the world, right? This is kind of the human condition that we don't always think about the things that we say to each other. And they're actually kind of toxic. And we don't always have the best attitude of how we treat the people around us. Our behavior is not the best. But the good news is that we can imitate Jesus in being forgiving and tenderhearted, right? And then he kind of returns one more time saying, Just remember, as a zombie fighter, that you've got to be sexually moral and you have to avoid all kind of greed. Sometimes our Bible says covetous type behavior, right? So he's making a little bit of a sandwich of what it really looks like to walk in love. And if you notice, everything that I just read talks about how I treat the people around me. What happens inside of me and how does that come out in the people around me? And if we're going to be fully alive, right, we're going to be fully alive zombie fighters, then we have to remember that the way we walk in love has to be different. It has to look different than everybody else, right? And there's a lot of things to unpack in here. And one of those things is truly the way that we talk to each other. And I added verse 29 in chapter 4 because I wanted you to see something. that says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the name of the moment. So it 
brings grace to those who hear, right? Mine says uh, unwholesome. Maybe your Bible that you're reading in right now on your Bible app, the word means, the word might say corrupt. Let no like corrupt word come out of your mouth. But the thing is this, the meaning of that word is more closely resembled to rotten. Let no rotten or decaying word come out of your mouth. What does that mean? Listen to this. You might not, you might be a zombie fighter, but the way I talk to you, I can literally talk you to death. When I label you, I'm labeling you to death. Well, listen, when I tell you that you're not good enough or that there's something different about me and you and it makes me better and you worse, I'm literally speaking death into you. The Bible says there is life and death in the tongue, and this is just another version of that. That when unwholesome things, when rotten things come out of my mouth to you, it can literally suck the life out of you. And guess what? They ain't got tablets back then. That means what we type, too. My post can suck the life out of you. That's scary. That's scary. It says we have to be encouraging, right? That instead of speaking death into you, I have to speak life into you. And it says edifying. And all edifying means is whenever you're around me, that I'm actually uplifting you, right? And it said for the need of the moment. So what this is saying is that when you get around me and I'm talking to you, you should actually leave better than you came, right? But let me tell you something. How many of y'all know we do dumb things in the moment sometime? That's me, right? So let me tell you this. That doesn't mean that we can't have hard conversations with people and be able to call them up in things, right? And be able to show them a blind spot that that may have. That's, that's edifying somebody. That's building them up. So we can't be scared to challenge people to be more tomorrow than they are today. We don't have to avoid those conversations. I think as guys, we, we, you know, we always quote the Bible and we're always like, uh, yeah, man, I, you know, iron sharpens iron like one man sharpens another, you know? Such a rad dude Bible verse, but metal doesn't get sharpened with metal without a little friction. And sometimes we got to embrace a little bit of friction and we got to use a little bit of friction to call each other up, right? Because we're not doing it, we're not doing it from a bad place, right? We just want people to be more tomorrow than they are today. So when we walk in love, we got to know that the things that we say absolutely matter. But like the, our attitude absolutely matters too. And Paul gives us a laundry list of things that he talked about. All these different variants of what it looks like for me to treat the world the way I see it to where I can be as aggressive as I want. I can be as strong-willed as I want. And those things can manifest into pure anger. And he says even wrath, right? That's zombie activity, not zombie fighter activity. There's no way I can love you to life whenever I'm aggressive and I'm trying to win an argument with you or I'm trying to show you how much tougher and better I am than you. He even says a little bit earlier in chapter three, he says, uh, he said, don't let the sun go down on your anger or you're actually going to give the devil a foothold, right? And so what does that mean? That means coming to you and asking or extending forgiveness is a time sensitive thing and it does not need to wait. He says, by waiting, you actually give the devil a foothold. That means you give the devil a strategic advantage in your situation and in your life. Just by not saying you're sorry, just by letting your attitude, that's just how I am, that's just how I talk, that's just how I treat people. No, you just gave the devil a strategic advantage in your life, and you need to hear something. You may think you won an argument today, and you were the tough guy. Listen, you, may, you might think you won the battle, Today, you cost yourself the war tomorrow. You cost yourself the whole thing just by giving the devil an advantage. 
Our attitudes matter, right? And Jesus, it says that to be imitators of Jesus, we have to be tenderhearted. We have to be forgiving. We have to be life-giving people, right? You know, you can't get around me and, and I'm acting tough all the time and I'm acting aggressive all the time. And there's no way that you'll ever, I'll ever come across as a zombie fighter or somebody who loves you quite genuinely just like Jesus loves you, right? And then the last thing's kind of a... <laughs> It's kind of a toughie, right? So if we're going to walk this thing out and we're going to be loving, you know, we, can't, we can't miss what kind of Paul throws on us right after he tells us about Jesus. He says that uh, loving people to life and the way I treat the world around me means I need to be very loving um, and avoid sexual immorality or greed, right? And sexual immorality, all it is is anything sexually gratifying you do outside the confines of the marriage of a man and a woman, Right? And greed, it's not hard to get. Sometimes we see the word covetous show up in our Bible, and all that means is it's anything that you desire that you'll do absolutely anything for, right? And the funny thing is Paul puts these two things side by side in our Bibles, and they show up actually side by side quite often because people who are writing the Bible know this. They both originate from the same place, and it's my and your personal desire because here's what they know. Desire can start up here, and it's a matter of time before it ends up coming out through right here. They're the exact same thing. It's whenever I look at the world and go, what is it that I want out of this thing, not what is it that edifies and builds you up? Now we're operating on my game plan, my ego, and, I didn't, and I'm not selfless like Jesus is, right? And let me tell you something. Um, I'm going to sidebar for just a second. I... I cherish these opportunities, I truly do, where Pastor Brennan will allow me to use this platform to be able to teach as a pastor here at Radiate Church. And God doesn't really speak to me in the most audible ways sometimes, right? I think it's through my Bible reading, my praying, whatever, my preparation process. But God puts something on my heart, and I actually want to take the time to talk about it today because I don't think it's anything of me. Um, and I want to talk to all the guys in the room for a minute while we're on this idea of sexual immorality. Guys, and I'm, myself included, the world is waiting and watching us on how we're going to treat certain things in our lives. There are way too many of us that struggle with pornography addictions. There are way too many of us that stalk ex-girlfriends on Facebook and Instagram. There are way too many of us that objectify women, treat women like crap, and like they're less than what God tells them. Let me tell you something. We cannot stand for that anymore as zombie fighters. Let me tell you, that's zombie stuff. And listen, I need, to, I need somebody here to hear this because I did not want to say this. There are, if there's someone or there are people in this room that unfortunately somebody did something to you at a very young age and it has changed you for the rest of your life. You may have seen something at a young age and it has changed you for the rest of your life. You may have seen an adult male treat a woman a certain way and it has changed you for the rest of your life. But you got to understand, if you don't take a stand for it today, you are doomed to repeat it. Stand up for that, boy. Stand by to get some. Let me tell you something. If you're a guy in this room, you're a guy in this room and you got a son, you need to understand more is caught and taught. They're watching how you treat mom. They're watching how you treat grandma. They're watching how you treat sister. And if you're like me, if you're a girl dad, bro, let me tell you, how you treat your daughter 
just gave every guy for the rest of her life a pass on what they're going to do. You set the standard operating procedures. Let me tell you something. I'm not a perfect guy by no means. My daughter hears four things from me. If it's not every day, it's every other day. She hears that I love her. She hears that she's beautiful just the way she is. She hears that I think that she can do absolutely anything in the world she wants to do, and she hears that I believe in her no matter what it is she wants to do. Let me tell you something. Oh, you ready to get some of them? It's about to get bad. It's about to get a PC timestamp this. We might have to cut this one out just so you know. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why this is a problem. I was driving in Lugolf the other day, and I had a truck in front of me. Y'all, this truck had a bumper, had a sticker on the back of it. And it said, it was a silhouette of a stripper stripping. And it said, supporting single moms. And all I could do in that moment was go, God, forgive me, forgive them, because they truly don't know what they're doing. And y'all, I ain't telling you somebody's news. I ain't telling the whole rest of the world. That truck might be in the parking lot right now. I don't even know. You know, hey, no, I've been praying for you. If you're hearing this or you're here, we're all suck. I mean, there's things I don't have a bumper sticker of that I'm crappy at. But somebody at some point in time told that person driving that truck, that man, that it's okay to treat a woman like that. There's single women in this room right now. Y'all work your tails off for your family. And let me tell you, that does not go unnoticed. If you're a guy in this room and you're going to be a zombie fighter, would you give the Lord some praise right now and you let him know that you ain't going to stand up for this stuff no more. <laughs> Sexual immorality and greed will stop with us. We will make a difference as men. Stand by to get some. First thing we got to do is we got to walk in love, right? We got to walk in light too, right? So there's a couple things that Paul says our walk needs to look like. I want to show you where he talks about walking in light. It says this. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 13. It says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and all righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing for the Lord, do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed to the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. Yeah. Yet again, a little bit of a dense passage, but there's something happening in this that I want you to hear really quick. Like Paul's saying in a world of zombies, in a world of zombie fighters, there has to be some sort of contrast, right? Like light and dark don't mix, so there has to be a little bit of a contrast in the way that we treat people around us, because they're not going to know that I'm life-giving if I look like I'm life-taking, right? And there's a lot to think about here, <laughs> to stay on it for a minute. It's very difficult to be a radiant person and life-giving whenever privately it's very difficult to walk in the light, right? Because it says here that, I just want to read it back to you, it says that the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And I, I was thinking about that word righteous, and that word righteous just kind of means that I live in such a way that I'm right with God, right? And so what does that mean to you? We got a light. We have to walk in the light when the lights go out. When I'm by myself, that does not give me a pass to act the way I do when I'm in front of everybody else. I still have to be that exact same person walking the light. That means watching and knowing what website not to get onto. That means knowing that there are certain things that can't be a part of my life. That means I can't just go out and just do whatever I want to and just be some person that I'm not in front of everybody else, right? means we don't go back to drinking too much. 
That means we don't go back to, I'm going to post a picture of me and my family, and it's going to be so, super pretty, but the times that y'all don't see is whenever we're alone, and I'm berating them about something, right? We got to walk in the light when it's just us. Because if we can figure out how to do it when it's just us and we're right with God, serious things happen when we start walking around other people in the light. We're the contrast to the world around us. Anytime I like think about this idea of like light, it always takes me back to Matthew 5. Jesus talks about how we can, as believers and followers and passionate people, newly transformed, fully alive, zombie-fighting people, we can be like salt and we can be like light. And he's talking about we can be the contrast to the world around us that allows us to be life-giving, appoint them to something that's so much greater than they're living in today. And Jesus says something really cool about light. He says that you can't hide light under a basket. Light always gets through. It always gets through. I want to tell you that uh, these scientists at... Uh, if you were wanting a physics lesson today, these scientists at Texas A&M did a study and they wanted to see how far like a human eye could see a single candle flame in pure darkness. And they figured out it was two miles in pure darkness. That your eye, one of those two eyes in your head, can see a single candle flame at two miles, right? Why the physics lesson? You need to understand a little bit of light goes a long way. A tiny little bit of light can go a long way. Pastor, I just started believing in Jesus, so that's okay. A little bit of light goes a long way. Matter of fact, I can go two miles. A little, little bit of light goes a long way. Well, I've been backsliding. Well, are you a believer? Okay, well, you don't have to do that anymore. Like, Jesus died for that. You need to understand your story still matters. You got a new identity, and your little bit of light, your little bit of light goes a long way. It goes a heck of a long way. You want to hear something even creepier? This isn't a good thing. But did you know a whole lot of light like a forest fire can be seen from outer space? Do you know cities can be seen under lights from outer space? Something powerful happens when a bunch of zombie fighters giving off a little bit of light get together and they're in Elgin, South Carolina. They're in Lugol, South Carolina. They're in Camden, South Carolina. And they're making a difference in their community. A little bit of light goes a long way. You need to understand that you don't sit by the person you sit at work just for any reason. You know that negative person always complaining about something? They see you. They see that little bit of light you got in your cubicle over there. They see you. They hear you listening to the podcast. They see They know that. Your family members to keep up with you on Facebook, they see that. They see you, they see you signing up for You Matter Week, making a difference in the community. They see that. That little bit of light goes a long way, right? Those people scrolling through your social media, always posting something negative. Oh, you acting Christian just because you went to Chick-fil-A today. No. My little bit of light goes a long way. That's what my Bible tells me. But you need to understand something. Jesus didn't say, not only just could you not hide it under a basket, but he said that it could change the world. That little bit of light can change the entire world. When we walk in that light in a, room, in a world full of zombies, pure World War Z, they take notice. And I want you to hear something, and this is powerful, and I want you to hear this real quick. Verse 13 says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. Somebody needs to write this down. In your life, what you illuminate, you can eliminate. If you illuminate it, you can eliminate it. You need to hear something. There's light, like this one shining in my eyes. There's light, there's dark, but the devil owns the fence in between them. There's either one or the other. What we illuminate, we can eliminate. And see, Jesus is in the business of changing the world, and he understands that kind of happens at the ground level sometimes. 
And he understands that in an entire world that there are uh, a multitude of injustices. He understands that there's just a multitude of people who've been marginalized. And we have to illuminate that stuff so we can eliminate it. Y'all, it is up to us to illuminate and eliminate racism. Cannot stand anymore. Just because I'm, my color's a different view makes me better or, or worse than you. That doesn't, that's not even a thing. Classism. My job and everything I own makes me better than you. I got a bigger house than you, I'm better than you. That's stupid. Those things don't matter. You don't take that stuff with you to, on the other side of this thing. It doesn't exist. If we illuminate stuff like human trafficking, slavery, don't think it don't exist. And don't think the human trafficking don't happen in the county that you're sitting in right now. If we can come together with our little bit of light, we can illuminate and we can eliminate things in this world. If you're excited about that, let the Lord know. Great day. I'm excited about it. So we know we got to walk in love. And we got to walk in the light. And we have to walk in wisdom. And I want to show you this other walk passage. And I think it's going to help us figure out how to be zombie fighters and not zombies. I'm only going to read two verses this time. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17. We're staying in Ephesians today. It says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Right? And wise is kind of like that word love again. Like It's one of those words where we kind of think we have an idea what it means. And, and for us, a lot of times, we hear the word wise, we think like it's an academic thing. Like, I know this much. But that's not really the way the Bible refers to the word wise and the idea of wisdom Biblically, it kind of means like, well, what logic guides my everyday decision-making and the way that I treat the world around me and the people around me, right? And it's not original to this passage, and it's not original to something that you and I have to think about today. Matter of fact, and you don't have to turn there, but this entire idea of trying to figure out what is wise actually happens within the third chapter of our Bible, right? Time travel with me for a second. So God creates a beautiful world, right, and a beautiful universe and this beautiful garden, and, he, and there Adam and Eve are inside this garden, right? And he says that um, I've got everything you could ever want to eat, that you are going to be my representative, and I'm going to use you to rule this garden. But here's the one boundary I've got for you. Could you just avoid this one tree in the dead center of this garden, right? And you guys are thinking, well, yeah, that's, I know the story. That's the tree of good and evil, right? And that's kind of how we think about it, but that phrase in Hebrew is actually tov and ra. Good and evil is tov and ra. But ra doesn't always mean moral evil all the time. Ra actually more times than not means bad. Knowing what's good and bad, right? So taco, good. Eating 20 tacos, bad. It didn't have anything to do with taco. It had to do with what's my logic for how much of this I can have this be a part of my life, right? At what point in time does something become dangerous that was never meant to be? At what point in time is there a boundary that God knew that I can't have, that I can't cross in my life that he set up? Wisdom in the Bible is that will I accept what God says to be right and wrong and will I operate using that logic? That's all wisdom is and is our Bible, right? And so Paul says that we have to walk in wisdom and the way we get to do that is just by understanding God's word, praying and knowing what he wants for our lives and what's wise and unwise, right? And this, is, this one gets even more elusive it says, so, 
the days are evil, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is, right? How many of y'all like heard that church phrase before? Hey, we're just praying for the Lord's will, you know? And, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. What somebody's saying is that I want God to speak to me some kind of way to tell me what to do, right? But the will of the Lord is pretty simple. Love him, love his people, and go and make a bunch more zombie fighters. Go and make more disciples, right? That's the will of the Lord. Pastor Brandon taught a couple weeks ago, and he used the most amazing illustration. He talked about the idea of like a child lock or a baby gate, right? And I have a toddler, so this makes sense to me. But the will of the Lord is kind of like my house in that under God's logic and wisdom, there's a couple cabinets and rooms that need a baby gate, right? Hannah don't need to get into the bleach. We need a lock on that cabinet, right? And those are cabinets in our lives, too. God knows what's wrong and right for us. What God's will is, is just we operate within those set boundaries, right? So if I have an addictive personality, I know there's things that I can't be a part of my life. I know if I can't control what I look at on the internet, there's things that can't be a part of my life, right? I know if I'm a very negative person, I have to be very careful about what I say and what I allow people to speak into my life. And there's some boundaries there that have to be created. And what the will of God is this, like as a parent and having a toddler, my will is not that you are just... Uh, okay, you're, you're inside the house and now you're going to you know, play with Elmo and now you're going to play with your blocks and now you're going to do this thing. No, it doesn't work like that. My will is that my daughter avoids these boundaries that I've set for her and she uses all of her potential, all her creativity, all her passions and everything that makes her her within this safe confines that I've given her for her life. That's what God's will is. It's not a mystery and it's not elusive. Is that, hey, will you allow me to spotlight a couple boundaries that you need to have in your life. And can you walk in such a way that you avoid those boundaries and you trust me enough to know that they're wrong for you and could you just operate within the safe boundaries of your life? That's what walking in wisdom means. And remember our zombie fighters, just this drone, this thing on autopilot is going. And it says earlier, whenever we're reading that we just acted on behalf of our flesh and we acted on behalf of our desires, right? We're not using God's wisdom. I'm operating on my operating system at this time, right? My logic, my will. But that's not zombie fighter type of walking, right? We have to understand that God set boundaries in our lives for us to be able to follow. So if we're going to be zombie fighters, when we're going to look like this new, fully alive human, we have to walk in love, we have to walk in light, we have to walk in God's wisdom. I have just... One last, uh, one last piece of scripture I want to read. It's just two verses, and it's still in Ephesians. And before I read it, like, I understand that there are probably a lot of people in the room that are, like, kicking the tires on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? You know, maybe you've been to church before, you know, but for whatever reason, you're still processing what it means to follow Jesus and if that's something um, that makes sense to you. And I want you to know that's okay. For you to do that and there's probably somebody in the room like me who heard some things today and they're like you know crap i act a little bit more like a zombie than a zombie fighter sometime right and that's okay too and i, I want to read you a, a, just a, two last verses that i think beautifully explains why jesus did what he did and how he thinks about you and why he wants you to be fully alive and why he wants you to be a zombie fighter and why he wants you to make a difference and why he wants you to change the world around you and it's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For his, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. I think it's a beautiful piece of scripture because if you're somebody and you think, you know, man, I haven't really ever made that decision to fully commit to being a follower of Jesus. And maybe in our minds, we've kind of clouded even what that process looks like. But Paul says there's really nothing you can do. Like God knew you were going to be a zombie. We talked about that. That was the first verse we read. And he said he died for us when we were still zombies. Because he knew our potential and he knew our purpose and he knew the passions that he put inside of our lives. And he said that becoming a zombie fighter is not anything that you do. You can't do anything. Matter of fact, everything we just talked about is a result of what happens when God changes our life. It's my personal response to how I walk now that I have a new identity. But God said that changing from zombie to zombie fighter is his business and it's nothing more than a gift. Right? So we can't go around bragging like it's not like a it's not like your 401k. Like you, you, you just don't keep depositing good things in it, hoping at the end of the day that God looks at you some kind of different way, that you saved up enough. It doesn't work like that. He says it's a gift, right? It's nothing more than a gift. He just wants you to accept it and just believe by faith alone that he saved you from being a zombie. And that last verse is incredibly powerful says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we could walk in them. God wants us to walk in purpose and promise and be loved and be loving. I think this is one of those beautiful passages about how God views each and every one of us. It says that we're his workmanship, right? And the Greek word that Paul would have wrote right there in that letter is poyama. And that's where we get the word poem from, right? So not is it that we're God's workmanship, like he's ting, 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 chiseling away on some statue. God said, no, whenever you're a zombie, you don't have any type of symmetry. You have no direction. You're just going about your business. But I look at you like a poem. Not just any poem, but where you and I get to be the heroes of it, right? He says he created us with balance and with symmetry with purpose and with direction and with beauty and with potential. God's creating a masterpiece inside of each and every person. And he said that he did it so and prepared things for us to walk in. God wants us to be zombie fighters and love other people to life. Walking in is just a response of just opening up a free gift and going, I want this. I want somehow or another, it may not make sense to me today, and I think it will over time, but I want to have that type of relationship in Jesus. So if you guys could just bow your heads for me really quick, just as we're closing. Cause see what I believe is I think there are people in the room that, and I think God's been tugging on their heart for quite some time. And I think they need to hear today that in a world of zombies and in a world of zombie fighters that God designed you to be so much more, to be a beautiful, well-crafted masterpiece. And listen, I also want to take a moment just to be able to not pray for you, but pray with you. If you want to make a decision to accept that free gift today, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute. And it's 
not to be weird and I'm not gonna embarrass you and I'm not gonna call you out or ask you to do anything crazy. But in just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you if you think that's you today and you haven't made that initial decision to switch over from zombie to zombie fighter, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And like I said, it's not because we're gonna do anything weird. You're just gonna feel a tiny little clipboard come in your hand. And all it is is a piece of paper that lets us know that you made a big decision today. We've got a Bible for you. We're gonna contact you and figure out what we can do to help support you and help you figure out this journey. And that's all we're gonna do. So in the count of three, if you feel like that's you in a day, I'm going to pray with you. And we're gonna pray together as a family. If you wanna accept Jesus for the very first time, on the count of three, just raise your hand just for just a moment, just long enough to get the clipboard. One, two, three. Anybody in the room today? Not gonna prolong it. Amen. I just want to say one more prayer before we get out of here today. I believe that there are a lot of people in the room, if you feel anything like me, you're like, you know, there's probably a lot of times in my life I look more like a zombie than a zombie fighter, right? And I need to do some work on walking in love, walking in the light, and operating with God's wisdom and not mine. And if that's you, understand I'm raising my hand right here just to signify there's things I want God to do in my life new. And if you feel like that's you, just throw your hand up just briefly so I can pray for you right now. Amen, all over the room. Guys, we are walking in a new humanity. We are new people. And I'm, you can put your hands down right now. I'm just going to pray for each and every person before our host joins us that God helps us walk this thing out as zombie fighters. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in the room today. God, thank you for sending Jesus so far, so long ago, well before I was even born, to die for the sins and the dumb things that make me a zombie. God, thank you for allowing me to live in such a way that I can respond to this beautiful gift and be a zombie fighter. God, help remove those things in my life that keep me from being life-giving. God, I pray that you just help me walk things out in love to where I'm more encouraging to the people in the world around me. God, I pray you help me walk in the light, whether I'm by myself or by other people, that I'm bold enough to call things out, or I'm bold enough to stand up for the things that you stand for. God, last, I just pray for wisdom. So many times I, I operate on what I think is right and not what you think is right. And I just pray that when those decisions come up, God, that you just do something amazing inside me that lets me know that there are boundaries that you set and it's to protect me. God, I thank you for absolutely everything that you've done in the building today. And it's in the name of your son and by the power of your spirit, I pray this. Amen.